0: In this episode of Upward Calling, we talk about taking our allegiance away from idols and back to God. Welcome to Upward Calling. We help Christians develop a relationship with God by talking with University Church of Christ Evangelist, Josh Creel and Dr. Kenny Embry. Listen as we take a deeper dive on a lesson from a recent Sunday service and help you apply it Monday through
1: Friday. How are you doing, Josh? Kenny, I'm doing great. I haven't eaten too much candy today yet. (laughs) We'll see what the loot looks like tonight from my kids. But, uh, you know, I'll try to keep the candy tax at a a minimum this year.
0: Well, I understand. For those of you who who are listening to this, not on October 31st. We are recording on Halloween. So one of the things that my daughter, Abby, uh, my younger daughter, is strategizing how she's going to attack the, the neighborhood this afternoon uh, she's she is trying to get the largest haul she can, and so w- we will be interested to see how much she ends up with by the end of the evening.
1: Do they know which houses give the full size candy bars?
0: They don't yet. The thing about it yeah. is, is we've we've lived here for four years, but we've only been trick or treating one of those years. Often we often what we'll do is we'll go to a, one of those trunk or treat things. But this year, Abby wants to go up. She's looking for a big haul. This this evening. So
1: first time listeners to this podcast are wondering, what is this about and what does this have to do with the Bible? <laughs> well, Yeah. And, and this, this first 30 seconds, it's just us saying hello. Today, you
0: ended up your series on idolatry, really kind of on a strong note. I thought I thought it was very interesting and very good. You talked about basically your namesake, Joshua, but you based it all on that passage. Choose this day whom you will serve. Which, if it were not for that quote, I do not know what Hobby Lobby would do, because they would certainly not have anything to sell. Joshua has a pretty bold ultimatum that he gives to the children of Israel. Why is it hard for us to make that choice sometimes?
1: You know, you you mentioned uh, Hobby Lobby going out of business. Uh, One of the members this morning mentioned uh, sports teams, before they take the field, a lot of them will have something motivational written on a on a sign, and and they'll they'll slap it before they go out. And he said, yeah. you know, maybe we could put that over our door, you know, over our <laughs> doors, and you know, everybody <laughs> slap it on your way out the door. You know, today we're we're making the right choice. Well, of course, the ultimatum is what's found in Joshua twenty four and verse fifteen. Yeah, you know where he says, choose whom you're going to serve, and, and he lists the options. You can you can serve gods that your ancestors served. You can serve the gods that they served in Egypt. You can serve the gods that they serve in Canaan. Mm-hmm. Or you can serve Jehovah. Me and my house, we're we're serving Jehovah. The hard choice is is because these different things that we're we're being asked to serve are promising to grant us something that we want. Mm-hmm. And and maybe sometimes they do grant us things that we want. Yeah. Um, it it kind of all comes back to what are we looking for? Mm-hmm. If I'm looking for pleasure, I can I can certainly gratify that by serving the, the gods of pleasure. When Satan asked Jesus to bow down and worship him and he would give him the kingdoms of the world, I think Satan could have done that. I don't know yeah. what that would have looked like, but I believe Satan could have done that. The question is, what do we want? Uh, and, and if we're wanting something less than God himself, then these idols are going to be pretty appealing, yeah. But if what we're wanting is God, his glory, and to be with him in that glory, then then there's no other choice that can be made. And maybe this even goes back to our, our college student who uh, spoke to us uh, last Sunday evening about the marshmallow uh, project. And, you know, are you going to yeah. eat that one marshmallow real quick? Or are you going to wait for, you know, for something more? And that was, that's what makes it hard. Uh, mm-hmm. we're, we're settling for for things that are less than God. And that's really easy to do. Really easy to do.
0: Yeah, it really is. Uh, I, you you said that people often don't follow God because they disagree with God, and I, I think one of the things that you would recognize as well if you were to if you were to talk to anybody at church, if you were to talk to anybody outside of church. I don't think anybody would say out loud, you know, I just love disagreeing with God. I love picking a fight with God. I think that that's just a whole lot of fun. But often what we do shows that we do disagree with God. Uh, are we seriously that idiotic, Josh?
1: Why does disagreeing with God seem so reasonable to us at the time? Well, what the text says is, if you find it disagreeable, that's what Joshua says in verse 15. I don't think any of us go around saying we we disagree with God, but it kind of winds up being the same thing. We we do find serving God disagreeable, mm-hmm. even sometimes. And I you know I think we're honest when we say it is hard. It is hard serving God, mm-hmm. and, and God does not sugarcoat that in Scripture. The whole purpose of the sacrificial system in the Old Testament. This is the people giving and and supposedly giving of themselves. And then you come to Romans chapter 12, and I'm supposed to be that living sacrifice. I'm supposed to give myself to God. And the call mm-hmm. that Jesus makes in Luke 9 and verse 23, that it's not enough to simply come and follow him. I first have to deny myself. Well, we find that disagreeable. Yeah. We, we find ourselves thinking, I know this is what God says. I know he says this is the, the right way to go. But that's not what I want to do. Right. And I look at it from the standpoint, you know, we, we come back so oftentimes to, to parenting and, and the experience of having been children ourselves at some point. Yeah. Our parents always had instructions for us and they had things for us to do and they wanted it done a certain way. Right. Kenny, I don't know about you, but I found myself trying to take shortcuts all the time. And sometimes <laughs> those shortcuts worked out. And sometimes I did what I wanted to do without my parents knowing about it. And that that worked out fine. Or at least I thought it worked out fine at the time. Yeah. But what our parents were trying to do in in these instructions, either how they wanted things done or things they wanted us not to do, they were trying to set us up for long-term success. Mm -hmm. They were trying to set us up to be the people that they thought we should be. Right. Well, that's exactly what God's doing. And, And so... We find it disagreeable to 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 fear God to serve him in sincerity and truth that that Joshua says the people need to do in verse fourteen because that's very hard. It's right. very hard to do what God wants us to do all the time, and so we 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 think okay well what what they're telling me uh in the world what what my friends are doing, this seems like a better and an easier way, and it may very well be the easier way in the moment, but just like Jesus said. The broad way, the easier way doesn't take you where you want to go. Right. You may think every step of the way is easy. So this is exactly the way I want to go. And then you wind up at the wrong destination. Whereas the narrow gate and the difficult way, which is very hard, Mm -mm. leads us to where we need to be. And so... We may be disagreeing in that sense with God all along the way, because we're part of us is saying, I'd rather do this, and I think that we should be doing this. But if I'll let God lead me, and if I'll let God set the path, then I find myself where God wanted me to be. And that's ultimately where I want to be. Yeah.
0: And let me see if you agree with this as well. I think about Abraham, who had the right motivation. He thought, you know, there's not a way for God to be able to make Sarah pregnant. This is not, not just not going to happen. So let me help God out a little bit. I realize he has made this promise, but there's no way he can come through on this promise. We are well past childbearing age. Let me do this instead through Hagar. And and God basically has come back to him and say, you know what? I really did know what I was saying, and, and I really do know how this works, and I am really in control of this situation. Please, would you just trust me?
1: Does that make sense? It does. It makes me think of, you know, when David brings the ark, um, and the, the intent and desire is good. He wants to bring it to Jerusalem. He's gonna set his house up there. He wants God's house to be there. Ultimately, he wants to he wants God to have a, a greater and bigger house than he himself has. Everything in David's intention is good. Right. But he doesn't consult what God said about how to do right. this. He actually uses the model that the Philistines had used in transporting the Ark, and it has disastrous results. Yeah. And it's only later afterwards that he then goes back and he says to the Levites, okay, you guys are the ones who are supposed to be moving this Ark. We didn't look at what God said the first time. Now we're going to. And by the way, David then rejoices all the way into Jerusalem with the the Ark falling behind him that the way we we think we think we know we can get here and we can get there in a little bit easier path. Right. God knows the path. He 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 knows the only path there is to holiness and he's he's laying it out yeah. in front of us.
0: Meaning we can mean to do the right thing and we can still end up doing the wrong thing. You briefly talked about being a living sacrifice, which I think is one of the most powerful and most convicting passages for me. What do you think being a living sacrifice really is?
1: Ultimately, it it means that, as Paul himself says, "It is no longer I who live, it is Christ Mm -hmm. who lives in me. Now, I think what, I I don't know if worry or troubles people, is that we, we can take that and we can think, okay, that means every second of every day, it has to be something that's being done and, and whether it be spreading the gospel or encouraging someone else or, you know, this this almost monkish type of life that, you know, this second is going to be a prayer and the next second <laughs> is going to be scripture reading. Right, and, right. and that's what it is. And I certainly don't mean to to take away from anybody that wants to spend a lot of time in scripture reading and prayer and whatever else that may be. But you have to balance that with the rest of scripture, you know, uh, Ecclesiastes is you know while the the overall point is an easy point to take ecclesiastes the book itself is not the easiest book in the in the <laughs> old testament to right. study but there's some things that are said there that, that I do think are true uh that that coincide with the rest of what god is saying in the bible that god didn't put us here to be miserable uh, god put us here with things that should be enjoyed even in this life uh, and a part of that's your family, a part of that's your friends, a part of that's the creation that he's made. And, and so living as a living sacrifice doesn't mean I don't get to enjoy the things that God has put around me. It does mean, though, that I appreciate that they're from God and that I use them in in, in godly purposes, so recreation, as as we as we well know, recreation can be an idol. In fact, it's one of the chief idols of our age. We have to be entertained. We have to be doing something um, that that's fun.
0: Yeah. Well,
1: recreation serves a purpose. Yeah, yeah. If I am recreating, I am I am getting myself ready to to go back to work, and a part of that work, of course, being working for yeah. the Lord. Uh that then having the downtime, that's a good thing. I, I don't need to feel guilty and feel bad about having downtime and doing something that's enjoyable. But I'm putting that in this place and this perspective that this is going to aid me and allow me to then be one, the husband that God wants me to be, two, the father that God wants me to be, three, the neighbor God wants me to be, four, the brother or sister in Christ that God mm-hmm. wants me to be, hopefully the evangelist God wants me to be all these things and so god is still first and foremost in every aspect of my life even if every second of every day is not me thinking about god praying to god or reading about god
0: i've talked about i've talked about this before it's that integrated perspective there's one there's some people that that look at christianity as christianity is just one of the roles that i have and and just like i'm a son i'm a daughter i'm a christian and, and it's just one of those roles but but the integrated perspective says, no, I'm a Christian son, I'm a Christian daughter, I'm a Christian spouse, I'm a Christian plumber, I'm a Christian, Christian, whatever it is, that that basically you integrate Christianity into every other role that you have. That's exactly what you're talking about there. Absolutely. That's a pretty bold claim that Joshua is making. He's speaking for his household, which would mean that he's speaking for his children, he's speaking for his spouse. Can we speak for our household? Can't we speak for our church? How could, how could we
1: make a, a, a bold claim like that, Josh? Kenny, I wonder if we're. Let me ask you this, and you give your honest answer. Sure. Do you think? Do you think we're if we have a trouble with that statement? It, how much of that is is culturally induced? Do you think generations prior to us had as much trouble with that statement? I don't know. I, I do know that that there were absolutely
0: David being one of them who had a hard time getting his children to obey. I, I think about I think yeah. about a lot of biblical characters where the patriarch of the family was awfully, awfully pious. But then you look at the children uh, that, that he had, that they were not. And I, I, I yeah. don't think, when, when looking at this statement, I think basically he's putting his flag in the sand, saying, this is what my family stands for. And it doesn't mean that we always get it right. This is aspirational for us,
1: right? Yeah, the the wonderful statement in Proverbs twenty two about training a child up in the way that she they shall go, and when they're old, they shall not depart from it. We certainly understand from Scripture is not right. a foolproof. Your children, if you tell them about Me, will never depart right. from Me, because you have plenty of example in Scripture. Uh, I think another wonderful example of that is in Ezekiel eighteen, where where God trying to impress upon the nation of Israel why they're suffering the consequences of their disobedience and they were want to blame their forefathers. Yeah. And, and God said they're the forefathers are responsible for their, their iniquity, but now this generation was responsible right. for their iniquity. And so he gives this this illustration of three successive generations. The first one is righteous, the second is wicked, and the third right. is righteous. And the whole point of that is the second one is not counted righteous because his right. father was. No, his deeds and his actions were right. iniquity, and so he's judged for that. The third one, by by the way, is not held responsible for his father's right. iniquity. If he's righteous, he's righteous. So that principle is throughout Scripture. I I do think that the passages that had to deal with parenting that we go to so often uh, in Deuteronomy chapter six, Ephesians chapter six, they all make the point of of fathers in particular. Yeah. They set the stage. Yeah. Fathers determine what's important in the home. Uh, now we understand, you know, in scripture that, you know, the relationship of the husband and wife, they're they're one flesh. Yeah. So this should be father and mother together setting the stage, working in concert. But Joshua is saying, this is what's going to be important in my family. Yeah. And to every degree that he could influence that, he would do that. I think you and I, Kenny, are probably the beneficiaries of fathers who who tried to do the same thing. Yeah. But we're also aware of plenty of other fathers who've who've done the same thing, but have had different results. And there's, you know, so many factors, whether it's, you know, who our, who our children choose to marry, where they choose to live, you know, friends they had in school, whatever it may be, all these factors come into to play. But I can't choose for me in my house what's going to be important in my house. Yeah. And I can make that decision, and that decision is going to be binding. Doesn't mean that my kids will then one day decide that's what's going to be important in their lives in their house. Yeah. But it's still going to be what's important in my house.
0: I would also say this. Frankly, we stink at this, Josh. I, I think the last point that you made is is probably the most important point that you made, which is I think all of us, we make the declaration, but then you have to make that declaration tomorrow, too. And sometimes we don't live up to that declaration. And the, the problem that we have is sometimes it, it's kind of like going on a diet and you have that piece of cheesecake. And, well, I had the piece of cheesecake. Let's just let this day go. And and so what you do is is you let the problem become catastrophic now that 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 i've I let this one piece go i'm just going to let it all go this is not a one time choice this is a choice we have to make every day the problem with the enemy that we are going after is sometimes the enemy is us and i think that has been the point that you have made this entire series that we are all in the war against satan double agents at times and that we sabotage ourselves I don't know all about you, Josh, but I'll say this about myself. I've messed up far more often than I would like to admit. So what should we do about that?
1: The ultimate answer to that is, is a very long one and, and incorporates really everything we've talked about in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, recognizing who God is, recognizing his glory, recognizing that what he's offering is, is so much better. And identifying, being honest with ourselves, what are the actual idols, you know, what is it that's appealing to us? And so all of that's a, a long process. But to to this lesson, and even to you know how you began the question about we have to choose today and we have to choose tomorrow, that statement can produce concern because we we look at history as far as we can tell that's laid out before us and even when we're strong we still know you know what there's there's going to be other temptations there's going to be other trials out there and so we we're concerned about you know what are we how are we going to face those are we going to make the right choices or not yeah well we're not always going to as, as you've said but the beauty of this too is i get to choose still yeah. yeah if if i made the wrong choice today i still get to choose what i'm going to do tomorrow it, the history of the New Testament, if it tells us anything, it tells us that fallible people, God is still willing to work with. The, the history of the Bible tells us that people that make mistakes all the time, God can still work with them.
0: Yeah,
1: and God, that process of being perfected in holiness is an ongoing one. I do, I do believe that those those choices, as they're made over time. And they strengthen us and we're we're more prone to make the proper and better choices in the future. And so success can build upon success. Doesn't mean there's not struggles. Doesn't mean there's not trials. But the more often I choose rightly, the more I'm growing, the more I'm becoming more like God, then when I face tomorrow, chances are I'm going to make the better choice. Yeah. Don't always, but I, the chances are I will make the better choice. You talked
0: about this just briefly. You said the next page is Judges. The the story of the Judges is basically the same story over and over and over again, which is the children of Israel do the wrong thing. They cry out to God and and God gives them a deliverer. God doesn't give up on his people, even when his people give up on him. I've loved this series. I think you've done an excellent job with it. How does understanding today's idolatry help us to serve God's upward call?
1: If we can identify the things that become precious to us in this life, the things that are appealing to us, and if we can begin to put the right title on it, this is no longer, you know, just a pleasure. This is no longer just, um, you know, some kind of success. This is no longer just a, a viewpoint. Yeah. This is what God calls an idol. Yeah. And that's an, that's an ugly term. But it's it's a term with a lot of meaning. And if I can begin to look at the things that have become dear to me, have become precious to me, mm-hmm. but they're not serving God. They're not, they're not helping me be what God wants me to be. And I can start looking at that and calling it what scripture calls it as an idol. Yeah. Then I can start the real conversation about am I following God or am I following something else? I, I may have been Acting like I'm following God all the time, but again, the history of idolatry is Israel is serving God, but they're serving other things too, and, and God just right. doesn't have a place for that. He does. He doesn't want that. It has to be complete devotion to Him. Yeah. So, if anything that that I hope this series has done, and as we're looking to to follow Him in the upward call, it, it's that. We need to to be very realistic about what the things are in this world that are that are preying upon us and their idols. That's that's what we're giving our affection to.
0: Let me see if you agree with this as well. In my family, when one of my kids does the wrong thing, the way back home is to say you're sorry and try harder next time. Maybe that's what God wants us to do as well.
1: You know, I liked the, the point you were making about the judges just a minute ago, and I never had really thought about it in connection with Joshua twenty four fifteen, choose today whom you will serve. Israel made that bad choice so often, but if they would ever come to a day where they would serve God, if they made the choice, God was there and ready and willing. Yeah, uh, What an awesome God that is. Exactly. All right, Josh, this next week is a little bit different. So, so what's going on this next week? Next week, we have a, a speaker that our elders have asked to come and uh, to speak mm-hmm. to us. Um, uh, brother Tack mm. Chumley, I've not had the experience to listen to him uh, in my past. Kenny, I think maybe you have. Yeah, but I believe he has some messages to share with us. So we're actually going to have him speak for us not only next Sunday, but then the, the Monday through Wednesday as well. So I'm looking forward to that. Oh, I am too. Well, Josh, I tell you what. Why don't we? Uh, why don't we figure out something to talk about next week then? Sounds good, Kenny. All right.
0: Thanks, man. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to get to know us more, you're welcome to watch a live stream service or join us in person at University Church of Christ in Tampa, Florida. We have all our information at universitychurchofchrist.org. And we have listed the sermon we reference in today's episode in the show notes. Until next time, God bless you in your walk with God.